Colleagues, Anthony McKay, a CEO and board co-chair of the National Centre on Education and the Economy, welcoming you to another of what has become a series of global ed talks. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Charles Ledbetter. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks, Tony. Good to be here. Well, Charlie, well, it's great to have you because um, uh, we've been fellow travellers um, and many of those who enjoy the Global Ed Talk series uh, know of your work uh, in multiple jurisdictions and across multiple sectors. Education is one of your sectors, but the truth is you've been um, a writer, an advisor, um, an expert in what I call the areas of innovation, of system change. For our purposes, um, we're delighted that a lot of your focus of attention in the last period of time has been on education and the system change associated with our learning systems that you believe we need. And particularly more recently, you've been talking about at the heart of a learning system, a young people who are in a position where developing their own agency is vital <laughs> to them, to their communities, to each other, uh, quite frankly, to the future of not only their own places, but to the planet. Now, I just wanna ask you perhaps at the outset here, if we have a conversation around learning systems and agency, and why it's so important that people are talking about the transformation of our learning system at the moment. Why do you place learner agency at the center of this conversation and what do you mean by it? Well, I think the connection between agency and systems change is that um, Donella Meadows, the doyen of systems thinking in her um, outlining of the different levers that change systems put shifting the purpose of a system as almost the most important uh, lever that you can bring about, you can work on to change a system. And I think understanding that education and learning systems need to shift from the goal of producing, you know, sort of well-rounded, diligent, obedient, uh, knowledge producers and reproducers, uh, sort of cognitive, individualistic, diligent, timely goal of being well-educated. That's the wrong goal. That's the wrong goal for a world of complex problems, of rapid change, of volatility and uncertainty, of endless opportunities opening up, but also huge challenges which will require adaptability, creativity, empathy, resilience, solidarity, so on and so forth. So if we're equipping young people for a world like that with the idea that they're a good educationist come up with exactly the right answer at exactly the right time, that's the wrong approach. What is the right approach? It is to realize that young people need a sense that they are agents, that they can shape the world, that they can take responsibility for it can mobilize knowledge with other people to tackle problems and to open opportunities that count for them and that putting agency at the heart of that as the thing that we really need to develop rather than diligent obedient um, uh, 
sort of apprentices, then that that that's a different kind of goal. But it really matters to understand what it is. It's not choice, doing anything you like. It's not a design thinking or entrepreneurship, although it can involve both of those. It's really learning how to mobilize knowledge and your social and emotional capabilities to shape the world in a way that matters to you and other people, to take responsibility for that, to be able to reflect on that with others and to do it again and try and do it better. And that's the kind of um, educational outcome that we should now be seeking urgently from these systems because that's what the young people are going to really need if they're going to stand any chance of shaping the world for the better. And just, just before we talk about therefore what the system change would look like and what the systemic conditions would need to be, just bring this back to the learning environment the learning place for young people, the school or the equivalent. Um, so before we think about the wider system, what about the implications for the place that young people live and work from the from an early age, right, through to the post compulsory yeah. years? Yeah, and and I think they would be places in which young people um, understand that they're on a journey to, to develop agency and that. To develop agency, they need to go through different experiences of learning what good purposes are, of finding those purposes with other people, of trying them out, of experimenting, of reflecting upon what they need, of doing it individually, but also collaboratively, of seeing that agency is a moral question. Can you do the right thing? Whatever that means for you. But it's also a creative question. What can you create with other people? Does it have an economic value? Can you govern with other people, a community, a classroom, a group, a society? Um, and that the education of schooling and, and learning should be a deep education in all those things. So that when they emerge, they feel ready, equipped to make a contribution with others to try and shape the world for the better to, to understand what that is, rather than waiting for instructions or waiting to be told what to do or just following the rule book when the rule books have been thrown out the window the whole time. Um, so that that's what it would be and, and it would be a it would be a properly developmental education which would recognize that the elements of agency need to be built up over time. And that young people don't get there in one go. You can't introduce an agency class when they're 16 or they're 14. You need to build up these capabilities to self-regulate, to you know, to go through challenges, to the resilience, the growth, you know, working with others, experiencing different environments, experiencing different sides of yourself, being stretched. You know, is this me or is this me? Or perhaps it could be this me. One of the things that I regret most about my own education is how rapidly it closed down actually to what I was already good at and it didn't really stretch me to be good at science or maths or languages it you know just reconfirmed really what what I was good at because that's what I could do so it needs to be stretching as well as confirming um, but it needs to be a, a sort of almost like a whole body 
mind experience, not just a purely cognitive one. Very interesting that, in fact, at this moment, so many people are talking again about the whole person. They're talking about the cognitive, social and emotional. But again, before we come to the question maybe about the wider system enabling conditions for this, the implications for the teaching profession and for educational leadership, for the leadership uh, and the and the teaching within these places that you're now describing that will serve agency. Can you, can you hit a couple of notes on the implications? Well, no student agency without teacher agency, uh, no student initiative without teacher initiative, no student judgment without teacher judgment. So teachers are absolutely critical to this and in many ways more important in a more skilled way in creating the atmosphere and the environment in which this sort of sense of experimentation and learning and collaboration can happen than following the rule book, delivering the lesson, ticking off that, that kind of module. So teachers absolutely critical in a revaluation of the creative role of teachers. And the schools that I've seen this work in are places of enormous creativity, trust, stretch challenge but also sort of joy i suppose of learning the joy yep. of teaching um that's widely felt and shared and that's what you'd have to that's what i have to feel feel like you'd have to feel like wow this is exciting yeah let's yeah we can go with this there's huge amounts of energy here and so on and so forth so absolutely you need that and, you, and of course you need leaders across the school at all sorts of levels and points but orchestrated by the leadership of the school um, in a sense of a sort of shared narrative journey um, about where they're trying to get to and, and, and what direction they're, they're headed in, which keeps them coming back to a sense, a deeper sense of purpose than simply hitting the target. Hey, Charles, um, people have come to you, uh, myself included, over a period of time, if we want to understand the nature of the system, if we're thinking about system redesign if we want to really appreciate what is involved in system change. I, I haven't heard a moment more than the current where people have talked about transforming education systems, where, they've talk, where they're talking about creating vibrant, healthy learning ecosystems, right? So if you had to try and capture what this agenda means for systemness, and the change that we will require and the conditions that will serve to nourish the learning environments and communities that you've talked about individually and collectively. How can you capture that? It's a, it's a very complex game. Well, it, it is a complex game. You're, you're absolutely right. But in one sense, it's quite simple in the sense that the arrangements you see in a classroom for a particular lesson will be reflected in the arrangements for everything that's going on in the school at that moment for the whole year through exams curriculum so on and so forth and you know this you can see the system in very small things and you can see it in very big things you can see it in white papers policies laws you can see it in the way a classroom is laid out and the way those things are arranged means that when you go into them, it's already set out for you. Your options are already sort of circumscribed by what the system will allow. So 
if systems want to encourage the development of agency, those systems themselves need to be open to questions that agency raises. And th there are two in particular, which I think are really important. One is who has the power to bring about change and to make change? And the second is what is the change for? Um, so systems need to be open to questions about power and purpose what drives them uh, and by doing that they will unleash more power and greater purpose rather than losing power or diluting purpose which is what I think often they they fear is going to happen but basically you need to go from systems which have become over the last 20-30 years incredibly deterministic here's what needs to be learned by this stage by this method and here's the assessment, and there's very little room for manoeuvre. And they need to become more like interpretive or purpose-seeking systems where the whole purpose of the system is, is itself to learn. That's the sign of a healthy system. That it's learning new purposes, new ways of working, new ways of achieving new purposes. And so you'd really want education systems to be purpose-seeking systems where there's that constant dialogue across all levels of the system about what's our purpose, what's a good way of doing this, how should we um, encourage this virtue, I suppose, is, is, is the way to think about it. Um, and in our experience, in, in the work that we've done with Rockwell Foundation on systems innovation, we talk about these four keys to systems. One is resources. Often you need new kinds of resources or you need to mobilise resources in new ways or distribute them. And a lot of discussion about that in education, particularly around technology, but also about structures and large schools, small schools, joined up schools. And so there's a certain amount you can achieve with resources. There's definitely quite a bit you can achieve with shifting the second key, which is relationships. The relationship between school and community, between primary and secondary. Um, between uh, knowledge and social and emotional capabilities. So there's a sense in which you, know, you need to shift the patterns and relationships of these things. But actually what we've found time and time again is that you can do those two things and not really shift a system. And to really shift a system, you have to raise issues about what are we for and who has the power to initiate change. And, and that has to come from different places. We've seen this enormous centralization of power over education systems over the last 20 or 30 years, that needs to change. We've seen the powerlessness of students, that needs to change. We've seen the constriction of teachers into delivery agents for sort of larger systems, that needs to change. So systems change when people start trying to align resources and relationships around new purposes. And they only do that when they reorganise power within the system in some shape or form. Hey, Charlie, let me ask you this. <laughs> I mean, you know, we used to talk about uh, uh, living in a VUCA environment. <laughs> uh, the volatility, the uncertainty, the ambiguity, right? Um, the complexity. We can spend the next few minutes talking about what all the features and the forces are. But I guess what I'm thinking is that this is a conversation against um, the most uncertain of times for many people and a lot of threats. Yep. Personal through to uh, environmental through to planetary. Right. So 
the shift in power that you're talking about, like the powerless becoming powerful, <laughs> uh, a sense in which uh, the politics of education will need to shift in order to get the outcomes that you're talking about. Um, a real sense in which this is an equity agenda. Yeah, as you think about all of those forces, are you optimistic that we will be able to undertake the kind of system change that you refer to in order to get the kind of learning that will be purpose-driven that will actually serve our individual and collective futures? Uh, well, I think at the end of the day, I am um, hopeful, maybe not optimistic, but hopeful, um, because I do think this issue of power is central. And I think one of the persistent stories of the last sort of 10, 15 years has been people who feel powerless wanting to take power back in some different kind of way. And often that's taken quite populist right-wing forms but I think it's taken other forms as well and I think so this this question of how people who feel powerless can feel a sense of power and so as a result since a sense of agency and how you can I suppose create a shift from power over to power with power to resist to power to initiate I often think that young people in schools feel no sense of their own power and so are left simply with a power to resist or drop out or what have you and how can you turn that into a power to initiate to um to do positive things with other people um that's the sort of agenda at the heart of the agency uh, question and and it, and it goes also then to questions about the relationship between soft power and, and hard power but I think that there are, there are two things which really encourage me. The first is more and more people are prepared to ask big questions. Um, and the second is there are more and more opportunities to act on them. And that slowly, bit by bit, too slowly, um, the different elements and ingredients, ingredients of sort of alliances and coalitions for change are coming together. And they're starting to coalesce. And actually, it may not take much more if you can get a tipping point of assessment systems and recognition systems and regulatory systems and the financial stuff. If you get that, actually, I think many of the ingredients of what we need are all around us. They just haven't been brought together and joined up. Charlie, uh, that's a moment. <laughs> that, Thank is, you. that is a very hopeful moment. Uh, yeah. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot of what you've spoken about that should give us all hope. So uh, I appreciate enormously this conversation.